listening to the Pathway CTM My Career Podcast. I'm Izzy, I'm your host for today, and I'm here with Umair, who's a tech apprentice at BT and has also been to 10 Downing Street to talk about his experience. So, Umair, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Izzy. Yeah, so my name is Umair Tanvir. I'm currently a multi-award winning software engineering apprentice at BT Group. Um, I'm also the co-chairman of the BT Muslim Network and also the co-founder and CEO of Ace Insights. Amazing. Cool. Let's get going. So, Amir, tell us a bit about your role, when you started, what you're doing and kind of where you've got to so far. Absolutely. Uh, so, my name is Umair Tanbeer. I'm currently a fourth year degree apprentice, as you mentioned, at BT Group. Um, my apprenticeship is four years long um, and I am in my final year. Cool. So almost finished. Great. And what's your kind of daytime role? So, what's your kind of job title? So currently I'm working as uh, I'm working in our data and AI unit. Cool. And as a part of that I'm working in my uh, in a data engineering team. Um so I'm involved with working with technologies such as Google Cloud Platform um and various other technologies as well. So it's a kind of software engineering slash data engineering role. Um so it's it's nice to kind of experience the yeah. best of both worlds. And how do you find that? So kind of final year apprentice as it were, did has it kind of all been building up to this? How did you kind of find it when you first started compared to now? Yeah, I mean the feeling is absolutely different <laughs> when I first started as an apprentice. Um, I mean, over the years, you feel like you're picking up a lot of knowledge. You feel like you're building your network mm -hmm. and you just feel like you belong within the company yeah. and the role that you're working in. So initially, as an apprentice, fresh out of sixth form, mm -hmm. it can be quite challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and you do sometimes have a bit of imposter syndrome and you feel like mm, maybe I don't belong here. <laughs> um, but that's totally natural yeah. um, because your peers and your your fellow kind of um, your fellow. What's the word? Sorry. Colleagues. Uh, your fellow colleagues. Mm -hmm. So your fellow colleagues are like so much more experienced. Yeah. They've had so much more experience in the workplace. So it's natural that you're obviously going to be um, a lot more less experienced mm -hmm. than them and have less knowledge. But it's about building that, asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to do that um, over the years. And, you know, thankfully, I've built my knowledge and experience and I feel a lot, a lot better um, and a lot more well-rounded as well in my role. Yeah. And why did you kind of choose... BT and also tech, H how did you kind of get into that? And what subjects did you do at school? Did they lead into it or? Yeah, no, not, not at all. <laughs> so the subjects that I did at A-level um, were Arabic, economics and politics. Wow, so no tech at all. Absolutely, zero tech in those subjects. <laughs> and I, I initially, well, even I could argue now that I don't know really what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but in sixth form, I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and in my head, you know, I was just applying for apprenticeships in all kinds of industries and yeah. all kinds of roles. Um, and I did get uh, offers from various companies, okay. uh, BT Group being one of them. And I guess the reason why I went with BT and technology more specifically is because I felt like the opportunities that you have in the technology in industry are just so massive. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of that. And yeah. I am a bit of a tech geek myself as well. <laughs> so kind of working on the latest softwares and working on the latest technologies was something that was quite, um, it was quite appealing. So that's kind of what edged it for me. Um, yeah. in the end when I decided to go for the BT um, apprenticeship. Yeah. And I think you made the right decision. Four years later, you know, tech is getting bigger and bigger exactly. every single day. So um, definitely. And how did that... So obviously you didn't really do techie subjects. Did you feel that when you went in, it was a big kind of adapt? Like you had to adapt really quickly? Was it a big change? Did And you had kind of no knowledge of the tech sector. Yeah. How have you kind of learned from the bottom up, I guess? I mean, it, it does sound 
really scary yeah. at first, um, but it's really not like that. I mean, apprenticeships, and more specifically, the BT apprenticeship is designed so that even if you don't have any yeah. experience within th- within the technology industry or on any on any technologies, generally speaking, you're not disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. So, for example, myself and some of my peers in university, we had absolutely no experience, um, you know, with any technologies. Um, but the, the beauty of an apprenticeship is that you start from zero. Yeah. Um, you know, you could have someone that maybe knows a programming language straight off the back, you know, when they join an apprenticeship or someone like me who didn't know uh, much about, you know, programming, for yeah. example. But we all start on the same level and that's from zero. And then you build up from there. Yeah. Um, and that's what kind of helps you adapt and uh, kind of, um, you know, start off from a level playing field. And I think that's a big myth around mm. apprenticeships, to be honest, because if I saw you know, a coding apprenticeship or a software engineering apprenticeship, you would think that you had to have, you ha- like some people don't even know what that means, you know, that job yeah. title means that what what do you do day to day? So I think the fact that you kind of all start, like mm. you said, you all start on zero and you build up together is really important and also really important for teachers and parents to understand as well and encouraging people to apply for these tech programs, even if they don't do a current tech subject at school. And that's I think the fact that you didn't do tech subjects how did you find that in kind of the application process for BT group did you have to give academic requirements how how did that work yeah so that's an interesting point because um I had no prior tech experience as established and so it's it's important that it during the application process I can demonstrate that I'm passionate about the technology industry yeah and that can manifest itself in various ways. The way I did it was to ensure that I showcase to the interviewer mm-hmm. um, that I am fit for the company, I'm yeah. fit for BT, um, and that I have the soft skills to be a competent, you know, software engineer. Firstly, yeah, and secondly, and more importantly, a competent, you know, employee of yeah. for, for BT. And so, by demonstrating that you have those soft skills, mm-hmm. you know, I had no experience, yeah. but I demonstrated that I had those soft skills to succeed in that role Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of allowed for me to get the role in the end and and, and that's the advice and that's the approach for any other role that you may be applying for yeah it's so true it's so you know transferable skills and when you're applying for these apprenticeships they don't expect you to be an expert in that space you're 18 years old when have you had the time to be a full-time employee somewhere you haven't Uh, and that's what we say to our students as well when in the application process if you show you're enthusiastic and you want to learn that's what they want from you. Uh, and it sounds like you did that. And what? how many did you apply for in the end, apprenticeships? And how many kind of processes did you go through? Yeah, I applied for plenty. Um, <laughs> because come December, January time, during the cycle that I was applying for, I wasn't really getting anything. Yeah. So I was kind of panicking and thinking, you know, maybe something's, you know, not right. Not right, yeah. And so that's when I started to just apply to mass applications. <laughs> um, any apprenticeship that I would come across, I'd apply for it. In the end, I probably, I, I, I can't tell you a number. I don't know how many really? I applied for. Um, but that kind of did reward itself in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because come around April time, that's when I was getting assessment center, uh, you know, um, offers. Yeah. And as a result of that, you know, I got a few offers in the end as well. And I kind of had a, 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 a nice but difficult choice yeah. of having to choose between those yeah. offers. It's a great position to be in. Exactly. And I think that's, um, it's a great point around, you know, just applying for, not applying for anything because you want to make sure it's for you, but mm-hmm. that's advice that we give to students and also teachers as well. And it is 
when you're from the student's perspective, you don't understand how long these processes yeah. are. Um, so you're probably applying, like you said, in October, November, and you're not getting an interview date till March. Yeah. And when you're in school, it's like time is ticking. Everyone's doing mm -hmm. their UCAS, you know, exams are coming up. You can't commit to these assessment centers and interviews during exam time. So how did you kind of manage that? And were all of your friends getting uni offers yeah. and unconditionals? How did that make you feel? Exactly. So I went to a kind of a really high-end sixth form. Um, and, you know, the sixth form encouraged students to apply for university, particularly Oxbridge, the top Russell Group universities <laughs> and even Ivy League universities. And so, um, in fact, all of my friends really, um, you know, applied for universities. Um, and when you submit your personal statement, mm -hmm. um, you know, shortly after you do get conditional offers. Yeah. And so I was seeing my friends getting all those conditional offers. And here I was, you know, in the early stages of apprenticeship applications. Yeah. And I didn't really know you know, what was going yeah. to happen. So that did create some sort of nervousness um, and anxiety. Mm. And it's natural because everyone around you kind of has a brief plan, yeah. plan and they know, you know, kind of what they're going to be doing yeah. next year. And um, it's the unknown, isn't it? Like exactly. they're, all, they're all moving to halls and things in September mm. and you're thinking, what am I doing? Like yeah. I, I've been in the exact same position. I know it's really tough. But so if you kind of were surrounded by that, why did you choose apprenticeships? Because mm. you must have kind of been an anomaly in that yeah. sense. Yeah, a, a big anomaly. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, a few reasons. Mm -hmm. The most important reason was I couldn't really afford the tuition fees to okay. go to university. Um, and the only alternative to that was student loan. Um, yeah. And the student loan is interest-based, which is kind of going against my religious beliefs as a Muslim. Okay. Um, so that kind of led me to the path of you know i have to find an alternative yeah. because i do not want to compromise my religious beliefs mm -hmm. um, and as a result of that that's how i came across uh, degree apprenticeships and saw that this is an alternative for uh, going to university yeah. through the traditional route and i was really set on that and i was really fixed on that um and so yeah that's really the reason why mainly i, I went down the apprenticeship yeah. route even though there was this added pressure from your peers, you know, sometimes even teachers yeah. that know, you know, you need to go to university. Um, you know, I, I stood by my decision yeah. and I'm glad I did. Oh, 100%. Like, that's a really inspiring story and reason. And I think you stuck by it and here you are and you're mm -hmm. now kind of in your final year. And how is that being? Because I'm sure a lot of your friends are at university now and maybe they finished. But yeah. what's kind of the key differences that you're seeing between you, you and your peers? Yeah, I mean, over the years, my friends have obviously followed my journey. I've followed their journey. Yeah. And over the years, they're slowly starting to realize and see the tangible benefits of yeah. an apprenticeship. Um, and, and even some of them, you know, regretting that they decided to go mm. to university and didn't look into apprenticeships or take them as seriously as I did, for example, yeah. at the time. Um, but, you know, also seeing university students when they finish and graduate struggling to get graduate roles mm -hmm. and, you know, the high competitive nature of those roles. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm here sitting thinking that, you know, I will be getting a role in the end of my apprenticeship without any, you know, any formal interview or without having to fight for a space or yeah. a role. It is a very rewarding feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to showcase the benefits of apprenticeships yeah. so that students in sixth form or even school can make an informed decision yeah. um, for their future. And, and it's breaking the stigma and the myths mm. around them as well. So obviously yours is a level six, which for kind of listeners is a degree apprenticeship. Mm. So how does your university work? What university are you studying at and where are you kind of at with that at the moment? Yeah. So I'm going to university um, next to Greenwich. It's called Ravensbourne University okay. in London. 
Um, so that's where I do my degree. Um, the way it works is, so we go on a block release. Okay. Um, so what that means is every other month, mm-hmm. um, let's say in the second week of March, for example, um, I'd be going in for three days. Um, so from Monday to Wednesday, I'd be going into the university campus. And that's where I'll be spending the whole day, you know, doing lectures and, you know, working on our assignments. During those three days, I obviously won't be working. So I mm-hmm. won't be expected to log on. Um, check my emails or you know do anything work-wise that's when it's solely dedicated to university mm-hmm. um, so my so, so the structure is block release okay and I, obviously some of your friends are at university what are you doing like uh, there's a lot of stigmas and myths around is it a full degree so mm-hmm. do you have a graduation at the end and yep. what do you get at the end of your university course absolutely it's <laughs> a degree like any other degree um, the only difference is it's paid for yeah um, so you don't have to pay for anything mm-hmm. or you don't in- incur a student student debt mm-hmm. um, you do get so the degree I'm getting is a digital and technology solutions which is a bachelor's of science cool um, so it's yeah it's just a degree like any other degree yeah um, you know there is no stigma attached to it um, employers won't look at that degree certificate and think okay this is an, an apprenticeship inferior <laughs> yeah an apprenticeship degree <laughs> they would never look at no. that it's a degree like any other mm-hmm. and you've had quite an impacting you know 10 Downing Street House of Laws tell us a bit about that and how that came about and how you got to have those big conversations yeah definitely so when I first started my apprenticeship you know I, you know initially before starting it actually I, I, there was this thing in my in the back of my head that you know slight apprehension that mm-hmm. you know what's the catch because it yeah, sounds too no, good it, to be it true. does. And that's yeah. what a lot of people think. Exactly. So my expectation going into an apprenticeship was, okay, maybe there will be a catch and I'll <laughs> kind of and figure I won't be it here out. Soon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's been no catch. No. Um, and I started to realize that very early on in my apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. And then that got me thinking that why are there not more students and more people doing degree apprenticeships, particularly from, you know, I come from a disadvantaged background. Mm -hmm. And there's always this expectation that the only way and the only route to success is by going to university or becoming a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no other way of success. Um, And so my mission from that day was to (laughs) kind of ensure that, you know, I'm portraying this, Mm -hmm. you know, pathway to success. Yeah. Um, to people particularly from a disadvantaged background and to show them that they can achieve and they can be as successful, mm-hmm. if not even more successful, um, than you know, if you were to go to university. And so as a result of that, you know, I wanted to become an apprenticeship champion, apprenticeship ambassador. Um, and I started, you know, going to careers fairs, um, you know, showcasing our BT apprenticeships, going to visiting schools, careers fairs, colleges. Um, and that just led me into kind of this whole domain of apprenticeship <laughs> promotion. Um, and thankfully, I got the opportunity to feature in our marketing campaigns for BT apprenticeships, mm-hmm. um, you know, Instagram adverts, yeah, YouTube yeah. videos, you know, on billboards within <laughs> our offices. <laughs> You're a celebrity in and BT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I get called a celebrity all the time <laughs> when I walk into the office, um, even from the security guards. So it, it was, a, it was that gave me so much exposure. Yeah. Um, and then off the back of that, you know, I, I wanted to engage with the Department of Education mm-hmm. to see how we can kind of better promote these apprenticeships to those from disadvantaged mm-hmm. backgrounds once again. Uh, and then last year in 2022, during National Apprenticeship Week, um, I was given the opportunity to represent BT apprenticeships at 10 Downing Street. Wow. Um, so we got to kind of go into 10 Downing Street and actually hold a roundtable with the then Secretary of State for Amazing. Education. 
Um, and that round table was, uh, you know, kind of gave me the opportunity to portray my opinions yeah. and my thoughts on how the government can actually better support and promote apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since then, you know, I've also built a kind of personal brand as well on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, allowed for other opportunities to mm-hmm. also, you know, come my way. And then this year for National Apprenticeship Week, I was actually fortunate enough to give a speech at the House of Lords <laughs> um, to talk about that's my amazing. apprenticeship experience. So all of these opportunities mm-hmm. really came about from, you know, just starting from the bottom, yeah. which was just visiting schools. like And many just a real do. passion. Exactly. You, yeah. you saw an opportunity, you thought there was a catch, there wasn't. So you want to tell everyone else about this. Exactly. And that, that's exactly why we're doing this podcast today is to raise awareness and break the stigma and mm-hmm. the barrier. But what kind of things came out of those conversations that you were having when you had that round table? What were the government saying about apprenticeships and what is their kind of strategy, I guess? Absolutely. I mean, the government recognises that, you know, there is an issue of uptake amongst disadvantaged yeah. you know, communities in the context of apprenticeships. And I see that you know, from a grassroots level as well, mm-hmm. whenever I'm talking to students, um, even family members, for instance, yeah. um, there is this lack of belief. Yeah. Um, there is this idea that you know, you know, these students have that you know, they don't belong here. Yeah. Um, and so it's important that you kind of you know, have role models within mm-hmm. the apprenticeship space, such as myself, for mm-hmm. instance. I mean, when I first applied, there was no one that I could look at within the apprenticeship space and say, yeah, he looks like me. Yeah. He comes from my background. He's made it. So why can't I make yeah. it? Why can't I follow follow in his footsteps? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of another passion of mine to ensure that there is this role model. Yeah. And if it meant it being me, then so be it. Yeah. Um, and so I have so many people now just messaging me saying, you know, I never thought that, you know, I could do an apprenticeship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I heard your story or I heard your podcast or, you know, I spoke to you mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be applying for apprenticeships and yeah. I'm definitely going to be considering those. So really the message that I've, you know, portrayed across, you know, in that round table and to the government generally mm-hmm. is that we need to have more role models. Yeah, uh, not better representation, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's so amazing for you, though, to be able to see, have those messages mm-hmm. from people. Like it must feel really you know like all your hard work is paying off and when people maybe if someone starts and they say oh you know i followed you on linkedin and things um that's amazing so you're coming to the end of your apprenticeship now what's kind of next where where do you see yourself in a few years time definitely so i'm obviously finishing my apprenticeship very soon Mm -hmm. um i will be getting a full-time role at bt cool um you know bt has been so good to me um you know i feel very comfortable yeah Um, i've built a very good network um, and it's just w- it just works for me. Yeah. Um, and so I really want to pursue a career and kind of work my way up within mm-hmm. BT itself. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, become a competent software developer. Uh, and you know, when I do have those skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I am a, b- a bit more of an expert, I definitely want to create uh, you know passion projects on the yeah. side. You know, using technology to benefit society. Yeah. Um, and you know, within the apprenticeship context, you know, I definitely want to stay in touch with the apprenticeship space. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it isn't the case that when I finish my apprenticeship, you know, I disconnect from the apprenticeship no. space. Um, and I've kind of ensured that that will be the case by kind of setting up and co-founding my own social cool, mobility organization amazing. as well, Ace Insights. That's amazing. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, I can make an impact yeah. through that as well. And you could have your own team of apprentices. That Definitely. would be the dream, right? That would be the <laughs> end goal, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. It's been amazing to hear your story. What's one piece of advice you would give to someone like you, sat at home listening, you know, maybe they've come from a disadvantaged background, they're surrounded by people going to uni. What would you say to them? Mm-hmm. 
So my advice is is very simple. Firstly, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, challenge those stereotypes that are surrounding, mm-hmm. you know, our communities. Uh, it's really important to challenge those stereotypes. Yeah, for sure. Um, whether that be, you know, your parents may be apprehensive or, you know, your teachers might not understand mm-hmm. or your peers might be, you know, a bit misinformed about apprenticeships, challenge those, have those conversations. And in the context of apprenticeships, when you are applying for apprenticeships, kind of ensure, um, you know, that you're developing those soft skills mm-hmm. um, and that you're practicing your technique. Yeah. Because one thing that I hear frequently from, you know, students is that, wow, you are such a good public speaker or, yeah. you know, you're so eloquent. But really and truly, I wasn't born with this kind of confidence no. or this level of, you know, eloquence. No. You know, it comes over practice and it comes over, you know, over time. Yeah. And so if you're going into an interview and that's the first time you've ever done an interview and you haven't ever practiced, you will be nervous. For sure. So that's why I always, always advise students to practice, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand, whether that's with a teacher, whether that's with, you know, a parent or a sibling, you know, get them to sit you down and get them to ask you questions like, you know, you would be asked yeah. in an interview. And so just to kind of iron out those nerves yeah. and, you know, give you that confidence mm. that when you go into the actual interview, you can actually ace it. Yeah. And and the thing is with that is that early careers managers and recruiters, they know you're only 18 yeah. years old. They're not expecting you to be, mm-hmm. you know, amazing at everything. But like you say, practice, put the work and be enthusiastic and essentially be yourself. And I think that's really kind of the key message there. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much um, for your time today. It's been absolutely amazing to hear your story and how inspiring you are um, and the different things that you've done, you know, throughout society. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's thank been you. A pleasure.